Canuck Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studios as we bring you another edition, a game day edition of Canuck Central. We are for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. We're in the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Lots to come on the show. Irfan Gafar, Shana Goldman will join us, and we'll get into the pregame for the Canucks of Chicago Blackhawks after 4.30 today, leading you into a 5.30 puck drop. will be uh, on Sportsnet Pacific coming up at 5 o'clock as well. So a lot going on. Uh, you know, things outside of Morgan Riley's hearing today. Because I think we've uh, all heard enough about that here in Vancouver and across the National Hockey League. Yeah, no, we're going to put an embargo on Morgan Riley uh, <laughs> discussions today. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll talk Canucks. Um, and I was, you know, I like to wake up in the morning, have my morning cup of Spro, have some water, you know, chill out, mm-hmm. walk around the house, kind of wake up the body a little bit, go through Twitter, start doing the rounds through sportsnet.ca and The Athletic and ESPN and take a look at some different stories that are going on. And I see ESPN has uh, released their top 10 rankings of defensemen in the league. And it's not ESPN and just, you know, Greg Wyshynski or whoever else ranking these players they do a survey there's 10 players 10 hockey ops uh so there's uh, some coaches some yeah. general managers uh types like that that are doing this survey and ranking the defensemen and based on how they are ranked they get points and are slated one two three four five six seven eight nine ten quinn hughes was ranked number two this year Justice has finally been served. After they, uh, I think they ranked Quinn somewhere. That's Seth Jones ahead of him. Yeah. He was like in the 60s at the start of the year, something like that. That was all players, though, not just defensemen. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but still, Seth Jones was a player. Yeah, there there was over 10 defensemen ahead of him, for sure. And last year in this uh, very same ranking, he was outside of the top 10. None of the candidates that they surveyed had Quinn Hughes as a top 10 defenseman in the National Hockey League. We know, of course, the athletic one that uh, he was in Tier 3B or whatever it was uh, with uh, Dom's model and all those different types of things. And all the discourse that that created. But Quinn Hughes Mm -hmm. now getting the respect he deserves in his age 24 season and having a true breakout campaign, Seth. I mean, it's not just a breakout campaign in terms of, you know, just, hey, he's showing to be the best version of himself. He's playing at a level that only one other defenseman has really been at the last couple of years, and that's Kale McCarr's level. He's, you know, we, we've talked about Kale McCarr as being kind of the defenseman version of, of Connor McDavid. Like, mm. there's a tier of one player, and then there's everybody else below that tier. And Kale McCarr was that tier for defenseman. Quinn's in the same stratosphere now. He is. And does it not also show you the type of person that Quinn is? We always hear about how competitive he is, yeah. how big of a hockey geek he is. He always works on his game. All he does is, is think about how do I get better as a hockey player? Like he lives and breeds it. Yeah. But also how competitive he is in relation to wanting to be the best player in his position. That the Kale McCarr level is something he's trying to get to and surpass. I bet you he's, not, he's only not, not, I don't think he's just looking at, hey, can I be in the same discussion? Like, I think he wants to be a better player than Kale McCarr. Yeah. Now, is he ever going to be? Who knows? But when you have that type of desire and you're as talented as he is and you have the work ethic that he does, 
he he is the main reason in the biggest way why this team is having as much success as they're having this season. So that's an interesting point because there are quite a few, uh, you could say, breakout campaigns for the Vancouver Canucks or players having incredible seasons, right? JT Miller's mm-hmm. having a great season. Elias Pettersson is on pace for another 100-point year. Thatcher Demko stole the game on Sunday. Yeah. And is, uh, right there with Connor Hellebuck as far as Vesna candidates are concerned for this season. And yet, Quinn Hughes is without a shadow of a doubt the MVP of this team. It, like, is he really the single biggest contributing factor to this team's big-time success? There are so many factors, but I do believe he is, yes. He's playing at a level that only the best player in the league at his position has played. Yeah. And that's Kale McCarr's level. And what do we say about Colorado? They have Kale McCarr, they have McKinnon, Rantanen too, but Kale McCarr and McKinnon. And as long as you have those two guys and you have something around them, they're going to be real hell to play yeah. against. The Canucks are getting similar type performances from their forwards. I don't know if either Miller nor Pedersen have kind of been at that McKinnon level this year. Yeah. But Quinn has. Now, in totality, the Canucks have more depth. They have great goaltending. And they have a system they play in here, too, that they're having a lot of success with. A lot of things are going their way. But the fact that they have currently the player that can make the biggest impact on the back end of the league is the reason why this team is as good as it is. Hughes has taken over... So many games. And, I mean, you can look at it with his point totals. He's at 65 points. He's already just 11 points off Mm -hmm. of his career high of 76, which is a great number for any defenseman, as as we know. But he's looking like a player that could get into the 90s this year. There's 29 games remaining. He's played at an over a point a game pace to this point. So projecting him for... Even on a conservative level, another 25 points, Mm -hmm. that would put him right on the number of 90 points for the season. So even conservatively, he looks like he's going to reach that kind of a milestone, an area that few defensemen ever reach. But you think of all the three-point games he's had. He's had a five-point game this year. I mean, he has... More than any, like we talk about Pedersen being a superstar and, and Demko being able to take over games, but of any of the Canucks star level players, he's taken over more games than anybody else. And the thing about Quinn is when it doesn't show up necessarily in those points, how often is he controlling games with the way that he manages the puck, has the puck, you know, he completes more passes than any other player in the mm-hmm. league. He is more offensive or has more puck possession than any other player in the league. Like, he controls the game when he's on the ice. And there's very few players, if any, that you can really say do that in the league. He really is a game-controlling player. And, and his domination comes so different than other players do. But he's a complete control of everything that's going on when he's on top of his game, playing his best. And the things he does so well are also very normalized. And I think sometimes we kind of forget about like how easily he retrieves a puck, dusts a guy and gets out of his own zone. Like it's when a guy's on top of him, more often than not, we know he's going to find a way to get to get out, get out of it. And we know and we barely bat an eye at it anymore. But it's incredible how he evades the forecheck, right? Yeah. And the way he gets out of his own zone. But also his retrievals and, and how smart he is at collecting pucks and how quick he is at moving it out. He just does it so efficiently. But also the way he walks the blue line. Mm-hmm. On the power play, for instance, or just how he is around the blue line. Pucks seldom get past him. 
Now, every once in a while, he'll be a little lackadaisical. Something will happen. But more often than not, he'll snag a puck. He dances the blue line better than any player in the National Hockey League yeah. does. And we just kind of view it as, hey, that's just what Quinn does. But those are the things, in addition to how much he's improved defensively, but overall with his breakouts and how he controls the game, having Heronic with him, I think his plays a big part of it. And it shows you that if you give a Devin Taves that McCarr has, yeah. and now Hughes has his version of it with Heronic, it's unlocked something else from him as well, right? And it shows you in so many different ways that as good as each individual player is, it's if you have a player that's talented like Hughes, find the type of partner that's going to get the best version out of him. Mm-hmm. That's what Colorado did with, with McCarr. Yeah. Rantanen and McKinnon. Yep. Right? Works pretty well. That's also, I think, what you're looking to get up front. And we can sit here and talk about Pedersen. He should be making his line mates better and everything. Sure, all fair. But it's about having that type of talent. And do you get somebody next to him that can unlock his true potential? Yeah. And that's also one of the reasons why Quinn's having the success he's having. He's had the best partner he's maybe ever had. Yeah. You know, uh, since Chris Tanev left, they've long been trying to find that longer-term partner for Quinn Hughes and... Hey, uh, as of right now, Philip Ronick is looking like the long-term partner, but there's no guarantees in that. He's a restricted free agent at the at the end of the year. Luke Shen filled in admirably, but Luke Shen has his limitations as a player. That pairing with Shen and Hughes was still good for most of last season, but we see how having a more talented player that has more in the toolbox can unlock another level for Hughes. Mm -hmm. And some of the things they do when they overlap on the blue line and just create all kinds of confusion for opposing defenses, I mean, those are just things that... Yeah, Luke Shen and, and some others that Hughes has been partnered with in past years just, just can't really do. And yeah. it's unlocked another element for the Canucks offense. One of the reasons, too, how much why they're more dynamic offensively is that presence they have. And also now the type of gravity Quinn Hughes and even Heronic has, how much they, they get a lot of yeah. attention when they're in the offensive zone. And oftentimes that can open things up down low for them. And that's one of the reasons why the Canucks, yes, they're getting a lot of bounces. They have been. But they're also getting a lot of really nice quality chances. They finish them, but they're getting really good chances because oftentimes there'll be so much attention towards Hughes Mm -hmm. and Hughes will create space that you get that type of opportunity. And that's what great players can do. And not only great players, but you're talking about as elite as they get. And, you know, Quinn's going to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I think it's pretty, as long as he stays healthy, that's the type of player that he is. He's going to win Norris's. Yep. Whether that's this year, in the future, like that's just what he is. And... I think that's super exciting for Canucks fans. I mean, I like this text. We have the Nathan McKinnon of the Connor McDavid of defensemen. Yeah. I think that's a good way of describing it. That's the way Quinn has played this year. And he's elevated himself. You know, the way Quinn had used some of the way he was thought of around the league and sort of just say, you know what? If that's how you feel, Mm -hmm. that's fine. I'll yeah. show you. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And he has, right? Oh, you don't think I'm good defensively? Well, I'll be among the league leaders in plus minus mm-hmm. next year. And I'm not going to be a minus player again in my career. Uh, you know, th- these are some of the things that Quinn Hughes looked at from his own profile and was like, I got to change this. And he had, like, even last year, for as bad as the Canucks were, Quinn was a plus player. This year, him and Hronik, with the pair that they've created together, they are one and two in plus minus in the league. I believe Hronick is currently ahead of Quinn Hughes, but it's 
you know, using all of these things as another element of motivation, not that he really needs it because that's just built in him, but he's heard all of these critiques about him. Oh, you're too small and, and this and that. And he's just said, you know what? That's fine. You feel that way. I'll show you different. And he has. And it's it, it all comes down to that work ethic as well. I mean, he's incredibly talented. He has mm-hmm. yeah, he has God-given skating ability and hockey sense and hands and everything, right? But he works as hard as anybody. And now when the team's captain is not only somebody who works very hard, but legitimately one of the best players in the league, yep. it carries more weight. Like, I don't care what anybody says. If you have a captain that people view as like one of the maybe top 10 players in the league, top two defensemen in the league, you're going to command more respect. Yeah. And if you're raising the bar in terms of your work ethic, your practice habits all of a sudden, the seriousness which in which you take your craft, that's going to have a trickle-down effect to everybody else. Yeah. Everybody, everybody else is going to see what he does and be like, we have to do, we have to try to match what he does. Like, we can't come up short. It raises the bar. And we're only seeing the beginning of it from Quinn Hughes. And, and this text from Jim says, it's, it's impressive that Hughes is playing like he's like he is this year as a 24-year-old first-year NHL captain. Yeah. What is it, what will it look like here in a few years if the standard keeps rising and he's the guy that sets that standard as a leader? It, uh, it's been a big, uh, you know, uh, lead by example kind of year for, for Quinn Hughes and being that guy. And, you know, it's, it's not just about answering to the media all the time, but the Canucks desperately needed a bit of a cultural change. And Quinn Hughes is certainly led that charge showing up early in the summer and uh, really creating some Mm -hmm. of that standard that is now starting to become inherent within the Canucks organization again as it was you know 12 13 years ago with the Sedins leading the charge Mm -hmm. and Roberto Luongo and those guys so it, it is still early beginnings on that but it seems as though that culture has been reset and you mentioned you know Quinn's gonna go to the Hall of Fame you know one thing about Quinn, I think of defensemen that have played at least 250 games, he is sixth in points per game. Yeah. All time. All, I mean, it's not bad. It's pretty good. <laughs> All time, we're talking about sixth for Quinn Hughes. The numbers aren't going to lie. No. You know, as long as he stays healthy, even if people are still going to look at him and say, defensively, I don't know, I don't know, it's going to be so overwhelming. Yep. His case will be undeniable. Um, this text... Brings us to our next topic. What do you think of the one GM who didn't have Quinn Hughes on his ballot at all? So they surveyed players and hockey ops personnel. A couple were GMs. And the article states that one general manager that was surveyed left Quinn Hughes off their ballot completely. So you know how when you watch a movie and it's like a mystery movie Mm -hmm. and then the first person they show as a suspect, everything lines up (laughs) and you're like, it's got to be this person and all the things line up, right? Like for instance, is there a guy that passed on him in the draft? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Is there a guy... six, technically. Is there a guy that took a guy a bit later who's having a lot of success now (laughs) and maybe looks at it and says, hey, I was vindicated with, you know, look at the guy I picked anyways. Mm. It all lines up in terms of the circumstantial evidence for it to be Ken Holland. (laughs) But is it actually Ken Holland? I don't know. Sometimes like when, when those murder mystery movies uh, come out, I'm like, it. they're making you want to think it's this person. Yes, exactly. You know, that's but it, can't, what I it feel. can't be that obvious, can it? That's kind of what I feel about all this. Yeah. 
It's a movie. There's got to be a twist at the end. <laughs> Is there? It, it's got to be a GM that just like forgot about him, you know? <laughs> and we're been, all like, yeah. oh, it's Ken Holland. <laughs> he's just like, he's writing it down. He's like, yeah, Kale McCarr. Okay. Miro Heiskin in. I'll put Pietrangelo there. And uh, Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty. Sure. He's still pretty good. Uh, Yossi, I think, with Nashville. And he just gets through the 10 and he sends it in his ballot. And he's like, wait, there's no. There's no Quinn Hughes. Oh damn, I forgot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if if it's a GM who was actually busy doing his job, and he's like, "Am I gonna send this in?" Can totally see like an oversight. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's hilarious. Um, just another feather in the cap for for Quinn Hughes to use as as motivation. Oh, there's one coward GM that thinks I'm not one of the top ten defensemen <laughs> in the league. I'll show him. It like, could be Ken Holland. Like Ken Holland uh, was still with Detroit. They drafted Philip Zadina just ahead of of Quinn Hughes. That that would be the the most obvious thought that I think all three of us uh, felt when exactly. we started talking about this. Well, thing. it's funny because Logan texted in and said, "Hey, have you guys thought about how screwed the Canucks would have been if Detroit took Hughes instead of Zadina?" And we were talking about this yes. before the show about how like, man, Detroit didn't take him, and we all thought like the prevailing sentiment around that draft was Quinn's not getting past Detroit. No. There were some people thought that the the stuff that was out there about Detroit maybe now liking Quinn was a smokescreen. Yeah. So nobody would trade ahead of them to mm-hmm. try to get Quinn or whatever. So there was it was overwhelming sentiment that he won't get past Detroit. Yeah. It turned out to be legitimate. Like they told Quinn before the draft, we're not taking you. Yeah. Which just seems so ludicrous to me. Like so, you don't know what six players are going to go out or five players in Detroit's case are going to go off the board, but you're just already determined. No, nope, we're not taking you. Doesn't matter it. what combination of five players go ahead of you. We are not taking you in the draft. So I mean, maybe he was on the no draft list. Yeah. And maybe. Maybe that Ken Holland's no draft list hasn't Too changed. Small. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe whatever, whatever it was. Whatever it was. So, Silly. So, so maybe no, it still lines it up for yes. it to be, you know, Ken Holland. But yes, I mean, Detroit was pretty, we all, like, none of us really thought there was any real chance he would be there at seven. No. He was top five. Like, even for him to fall to Detroit was a little bit of a surprise. Because remember, Kokinemi and, and Barrett Hayton went yeah. uh, three to Montreal and five to Arizona, respectively. The thought was the top five would have been uh, Darlene, yep. um, Brady Kachov, Kachuk, Svechnikov. Good player. Just like mix Brady Svechnikov at the same time. That would right. be a hell of a player, actually. Yeah, Zadina and yeah. Hughes. Those, those were the five. Yeah. Right, those are the five like top prospects. And then Kokinemi and and Hayton sort of they crashed the party. They crashed the party. <laughs> of general managers saying we got to take a centerman somehow, some way. Yeah, and like I remember our conversations were around: Are the Canucks going to take Boquist, mm-hmm. Bouchard, or Dobson? Like of yeah. those three guys, who do you want the Canucks to take if they take a defenseman? Because it, it felt like the Canucks were lined up to take a defenseman. Yes, that year there was a. a as you you mentioned, there's quite a few good defensemen in that 2018 draft. And Hughes just seemed like he wasn't going to be on the board. And, I mean, I remember hearing you and Aldi in Dallas, like, talking to Jim Benning afterwards. And it was like, you could hear how giddy he was oh. that they were able to select Quinn Hughes in the draft. We had a really nice view of the Canucks draft table. <laughs> and just just the buzz, you could just see, like, I think they were just shocked. Like, Quinn's, like, Quinn's not going to be taken? Yeah. And when he was there at seven, like, the high fives that were being given, like, the, the overall, like, joy. Mm-hmm. As soon as Zadina went at six, like... That's the happiest I've ever seen uh, the Canucks at the draft. Like they were, they couldn't believe their luck. Yeah. He was there at number seven. Um, this text uh, also, if we took Bouchard and Quinn fell to Edmonton, Quinn's playing with McDavid. Yikes! That's from Rager. <laughs> that's a it's a hypothetical world we don't want to live in. No, Rager. no. 
Uh, well, people do have uh, some some opinions here, though. Okay. Uh, Rager says, we're being led to believe it's Holland, but it's actually Alvin trying to keep Quinn's <laughs> AAV down. And Ian Kukutlam says, guys, it's Alvin. He's trying to motivate his guy. <laughs> That's smart. You know what? That's uh, That would be next level thinking. That would be the tw- the twist in the movie that you didn't expect. 100%. And, and you know, on Zadina, like we were talking, I, I was super high on Zadina in that draft. He was unreal like, with Halifax. He, he was, but then at the World Juniors and, you know, somebody texted in and said, Zadina was that was a levy of those world juniors he had a huge world juniors but yeah it was different because he didn't play for as nearly as good a team as finland had that like you mm-hmm. somewhat rolled the coattails on as a mm-hmm. defenseman he did really well too but it was inflated by um you know having a line a uh and having sebastian aho yeah and uh obviously puyarvi who at the time was dominant and they just racked up a ton of points but Zadina was really good. And I mean, his, he was skating really well. He was dynamic, had a great shot, had some toughness to his game. And then it just never came together in the NHL. Like, it's pretty surprising because he was locked in as like, hey, a high talent, high end type of player. I, uh, I, I just keep thinking about this. And the more I think about it, the more I'm, I'm agreeing with Josh that like it had to just be an oversight. Because I don't know how any general manager watches the National Hockey League this year and doesn't say Quinn Hughes is one of the best defensemen in the mm-hmm. league. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just has to be an oversight. I have to live with that because uh, uh, it just it does not compute that somebody would not think Quinn Hughes is a top 10 defenseman in the National Hockey League right now with the way that he is playing. 65 points in 53 games, 29 to go and has a real shot to getting 100 for the season. Um, all right. A couple of other things I wanted to get to before we bring in Shana Goldman to the conversation. Uh, this stat stood out to me. Our friend Tony Brar with uh, Oilers TV pointed it out. The Oilers will play 34 games in 66 days to close the season, which is an unreal number. Like they are playing more mm-hmm. than a game every other day yes. for the next two months yes. to close the year. They've played five fewer games in the Canucks. So Vancouver has 29 games to play in the next 65 days. They only have two more back-to-backs. They have 11 road games remaining. The, the one thing you would say about the Canucks schedule is that the strength of schedule picks up in the next bit. But like the heaviness of it after like this next, you know, they come home from mm-hmm. this trip. They'll have five games in eight nights with a little bit of travel in between. But other than that, the schedule by comparison to what the Oilers are going to play, by what the LA Kings are going to have to play, uh, it is a lot lighter for the Vancouver Canucks than it is some of their divisional opponents. It, it really is. And for all the consternation around their schedule earlier this season, people yeah. remember how mad people were? Oh, November was a slog. I feel like, what, what's wrong with the schedule makers? Look yeah. at what they're making the Canucks do. This is unfair to the Canucks. And when we when our point was, it sucks right now. But all teams have to deal with this at some point. They all they all do. The Canucks are doing it early. They're getting it getting it out of the way, and it'll help them later in the season. Now you see the Oilers have to go through the exact same thing the Canucks went through. Yeah. But they're doing it later in the season when it's tougher to do it. And the fact that Canucks aced that challenge earlier in the season yep. has them in such a good position now all of a sudden that it should give you more confidence over this tougher stretch that they should be just fine. And honestly, it's... It's about getting to, I think it's the next 14, 15 games, getting to March 9. Yeah. If you get to March 9 and you're sitting there at like 90 points, mm-hmm. like mission accomplished. So that's just after the trade deadline. Trade deadline is March 8th, but March 9th will kick off a nine-game homestand for the Vancouver Canucks. It takes up pretty much the entire month 
of March and not having to have a ton of travel. You know, they've gotten all their Eastern road swings out of the way for the rest of the season. That's going to benefit them. Like they theoretically should be a fresher team than some of their opponents going into the postseason because of their uh, lighter schedule. Mm. Again, only two more back-to-backs by comparison. I think Edmonton's got seven for the rest of the season. And that's... That's going to be tough. You know, LA's had a pretty light schedule as well. Vegas is right there with the Canucks, so they'll probably have a similar schedule to mm-hmm. them for the rest of the season. But the point here is, like, you're first in the National Hockey League right now. You have a 70-plus percent chance to win the division. You won't be blaming the Canucks falling out of first place in the Pacific based on a heavy schedule or anything like that. At least you shouldn't because they don't have a heavy schedule. No, it's not. It's more about the challenge, like you mentioned. And I'm excited about it. Like Every time I see a tough schedule now or a tough situation where the Canucks dub their toe, I'm more giddy for the next game and see how they handle it. Because these are all the tests that you want to see how they go and fare for you to feel better or know how it may stack up in the postseason. So they've got Chicago today. Uh, They've got uh, a game over these next 12 games. They've got another one against Anaheim. And that's pretty much it as far as like basement dwellers go. Otherwise, they're playing playoff teams or teams that are right in the thick of a playoff hunt and desperate for points to get into the playoffs. So strength of schedule is very high for the Vancouver Canucks. And not in a good way, but it might be a good thing for this team to play more competitive games as you get closer to the postseason. All right, Shana Goldman is going to join us next on Canuck Central.